Like the Matt Doherty, Matt Doherty took a shit touch and he got crunched on the sideline. And like he didn't take that shit touch. Nothing happens to him there. That's on Matt Doherty. Like Matt Cash isn't going to just let Matt Doherty run down the byline. He took a shit touch. Matt Cash adjusted his body to get the ball and his other leg stayed where it was. And, so, and Matt Doherty was obviously staying where he was as well because he's a lazy cunt. But... <laughs> Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. It's still only a year ago, just over a year ago, to be fair, when we had Steven Gerrard running around Bodymore Heath. We had him doing interviews talking about Chelsea coming down the road to wipe the floor of us. We, we had him coming out after every game, getting more and more irate that players weren't showing him some more magic and he can't put the ball in the back of the net for him. That was Aston Villa Football Club. That was Aston. That was that was real life, one year ago. And fast forward a year, somewhere along the way, we we came seventh. We all know this story by now. But now we're qualified to the knockout stages of the Europa Conference League with a game to spare, and we're doing it by bringing on Ramsey and Zaniolo and Leon Bailey and look at Dean off the pitch, and they're just lighting the place up under the lights of Villa Park and. You have to wonder, am I ever going to wake up from this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's insane, isn't it, the turnaround? I mean, so much so that I got a bit greedy, a little bit cocky earlier. Earlier, I mean, this morning over breakfast, and I decided it was time to, time to figure out our path to the final of this competition. <laughs> <laughs> and the first, the first thing to say, Conan, is we, we don't need to worry about who's dropping down from the Europa League. Like, it... It looks like the, the Conference League knockout playoff round is going to have like the top half of the Greek Super League in it and a few Central and Eastern European teams and then a smattering of teams from Belgium. And if Jesus Garcia Pitchers taught us anything, Conor, it's that the Belgian League is full of shite players. So we don't need to worry about that. But I, I, was, I was doing all this just thinking, we have to win this competition. This is insane. We're easily the best team in it now, no matter what happens, no matter who comes in from the Europa League. And actually, if you look at the two competitions, there's not that much difference between the quality across all the teams, other than Liverpool and maybe Xabi Alonso's Bayer Leverkusen. So we should probably bloody win that next year then as well, once we get into, after winning the Europa Conference League. It's great. What a turnaround. Oh, sorry. You really rolling out top four? <laughs> There were there were two two big I suppose news items that were happening before this match, during the match. Obviously the one was with the crowd trouble of the Legia Warsaw fans. Legia Warsaw came out and released a statement. I would say it's not very helpful. <laughs> it's uh, in, in it I'll just pick out one paragraph. It said instead of relieving potential pre match tensions, restrictive measures by Aston Villa as a host club, they unnecessarily exacerbate the atmosphere. In our view, such measures are counterproductive and unfounded. So putting a bit of a blame on Aston Villa there. While the game's happening, and while the game's happening, Aston Villa have to come out and release their own statement then as well, where they said they can confirm that no away fans were allowed into Villa Park. And you have to, like, obviously a lot of people were, 
were kicking up a lot of fuss outside, but there's obviously people amongst that group as well that just came over from Poland to go to a football match and they can't get in now because of all that nonsense. Um, Villa said they were advised by West Midlands police that, that nobody would be allowed in following large-scale disorder outside the stadium caused by visiting supporters. And you saw some of the the clips then that were going around, uh, the West Midlands police confirmed three officers were injured, police were attacked, there was, a, there was a clip of a policeman being carried away by two other police people, and there was fires being lit, there was missiles being thrown into the stadium as well. So this was all happening while the game was going on, and the other thing that was happening as well, the fantasy football community were trying to figure out what was going on with Ollie Watkins, because he wasn't available, again. he wasn't even in the squad, and that... that, that I would say even beyond fantasy football, I was thinking, ah, oh, come, I can't even have anything nice. We talk about how durable Ollie Watkins is. We talk about how he's always available. And now I'm talking about how he's a mainstay on my fantasy team as well. Suddenly he's not even in the squad, and you know he would be if he was fit. But Unai came out and he sort of put that to rest. Not not fully, but he did say 50% of the decision was just to give him a rest. I think it was... I think he wasn't fully available, and he said, "Okay, we'll just give him a rest then, rather than actually risking him for this match." I think I'm starting to understand why it's called fantasy football because you appear to wake up every morning still in some sort of dream state where you think that I'm going to be dragged into a conversation about this most inane <laughs> of topics. It, 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 you're living in a fucking fantasy world, Colin. If you think that I'm going to drift into that at the top of a show, where in a day where we just qualified for the next round of the conference league. The sad thing is, when you said you wake up every morning, I thought you were going to say you wake up every morning feeling the pain of fantasy football. And I was nodding along as you were saying these words as well. You wake up every morning. I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And I can't get it out of my head. But Villa did win this match in real life. And they scored two goals along the way. And the first, you have to say, and don't worry, this guy's going to get a lot of praise tonight, I think. Anyway, I'm going to give him some praise. But Robin Olsen starts this goal off the only way Robin Olsen can, where he delays the pass. That He delays the pass to the very last second. And it's a pass in nobody. He's delaying the till as well. So he's waiting to be closed down, potentially blocked down. And he's just going to kick it away anyway. And then Kamara wins it back. And then Telemans gives it away. And then Kamara wins it back. And then Telemans bangs it to Diaby. And this is the ball that he never got against Spurs. We were saying, can we let us play him one in behind to chase after? And boy, he chased after it. And he cut back and he just whipped it into the, like just on his left foot, just whipped it into the far post. The ball, he hasn't been played since the first five games of the season, I would say. <laughs> And it was it was so decisive from the three lads. Like from the moment we lost it, it was like something clicked in Booba's head, and he said, "What are we doing here? Give me that back!" And just went in and stripped the ball from the player. And that pass from Teeley is so purposeful. I mean, he's put he's put him through on goal by playing him down the line. It's an absolutely brilliant pass. Great understanding of the opportunity that Kamara has given us with the quick turnover, and it's absolutely ruthlessly exploited. Luckily enough. Legia Warsaw have fucking Robin Olsen playing centre half for them. The Polish Harry Maguire. Like I, 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 I would call him a smeg, but I'm sure people wouldn't know if I was talking about the refrigerator brand or the sebaceous substance at the tip of the penis. Like I've never seen anyone. I've never seen anyone take a touch, such a rudimentary touch from Diaby towards goal. 
and open up onto his his dominant side and managed to clear that much space between him and the defender. Mm. It was fucking pathetic. He was moving inside towards his goal, took a touch inside, and all of a sudden he's got five yards of space to do what he wants with the ball. And he did exactly what he wanted. It was a great finish. <laughs> it happened quite often. I, at one stage, I questioned, did he know he's left footed? And I realized it was Robin Olsen trying to track him and he couldn't stop him coming back onto his left foot. He was just trying to stay up with him, which was was causing him the biggest problem. But Kamara was getting the credit there, and rightly so, and obviously he deserves all the discredit in the world for this goal then that he that he gave away, basically. The annoying thing here is that my stream actually froze. Stream froze with Olsen on the ball, and it came back, and Legia Warsaw were celebrating, and I thought it was Olsen. <laughs> I thought Robin Olsen's at it again, and then I saw it back, and I mean, it's 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 a no look pass. One of those cl- like classics of the old Aston Villa variety. Just get the ball, hit it first time, but I won't even look at where I'm hitting the first time. I assume he's trying to hit it to cash, like it's straight straight at an opposition player, and it's lazy. It's a lazy pass, and we see it too often from Kamara as well in that position. Not not that pass necessarily, but just just being a bit too careless on the ball. And I'm not trying to have it both ways. Like Kamara. Obviously, he gives Villa a lot on the ball as well, coming out with it, but he doesn't need to do that. Like the, him doing that isn't something that we have to put up with to get what he gives us on the ball. He can just not pass the ball away without looking. Like that, 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 that would be an easy thing to cut out. And it's a nice finish, you have to say. It was punished ruthlessly. Yeah, I thought the Legia jersey was white, but it turns out it must actually be the same as that Man United's birdshit colour jersey that they blame for losing 3 0 to Southampton in. <laughs> and like, I, I know whenever JJ had a little dig at the Conference League, Kanza was very much, much on the side of the Aston Villa fans who came out to see the qualification home. I didn't think he was so much on the side of the Villa fans that the perception is that he's sitting in with them in the fucking whole den. Why hasn't Kamara just played that to Kanza? He's mm. standing right there on the byline. There's no benefit of playing it to the right back. How has he not seen Mucci? And how the fuck has he not seen Ezri Kanza? More importantly, it's an easy out ball there with a tricky pass. You can play it by your keeper. Just ping that back to Kanza and let's get on with it. Fucking hell. And you're right, it was a brilliant finish. But that was the, the equivalent of running past the goalkeeper, getting down on all fours and rolling on him with your head. There's absolutely no need for him to whip it with such venom and dip. Robin Olsen's in goals. He's going up for a slam dunk there and pass the ball under his leg while spinning his body 360 degrees. Just put the ball in the net, you plonker. Just hit the shot and target. <laughs> and the winning of the game comes from Douglas Louise, really, you have to say. I mean, this is... a. This is something that I want to see in our games every single game. Anytime Villa have a free kick on the right-hand side, let's score, please. Give the ball to Douglas Louise. He'll whip it around the corner straight on to somebody for an open net. And, I mean, Tom sent us a message on Twitter to say, is it time for an Austin McPhee cam? And I think Chris pointed out that Don Hutchinson loves Austin McPhee. And this was such a strange time to be praising Austin McPhee. This wasn't... Anything to do with Austin McPhee? It's <laughs> just Douglas Ruiz crossing the ball. And the last two set pieces the Villa have scored have been in spite of Austin McPhee. It's just Douglas Ruiz putting his foot, wrapping it around it and bending around the corner. Unai Emery explicitly said afterwards that after the game against Spurs that I told him just to head it in because there's no more chances left. Just get it in the box. It was like he had a really manually override the McPhee syndrome. 
and he and he did it and and Douglas Louise is a way to do that and a ball comes in John Duran's being ridden like a horse he, I assume he would have gotten a penalty if it didn't come through to Marino and he gets his right foot on and he shins it into the net and I mean that in a complimentary way it was actually really good to keep keep control of that on the volley on his right foot on his shin and he directed into the net yeah, I, I couldn't actually enjoy the goal because I was just sitting there thinking, why are we not scoring from this free kick all ser- season? Like, <laughs> seriously, what what has Dougie been playing at? Has he always been able to swing in undefendable crosses from 40 yards deep on the sideline? Like, I don't want to see us ever playing that short again. Why would you roll the ball to Kanza on the halfway line when you can swing it into his fucking forehead on the six-yard box? Like This, is, this isn't Sean Dice. Sandy Pickford to clip every free kick from the halfway line into the box for Tarkovsky to not win. Like this, this is this is the equivalent of trying to isolate Watkins or Diaby with Harry Maguire. Like this is this is fucking getting Peter Crouch up against Lissandra Martinez when the ball goes wide. You just have to do it. We get a free kick on the right wing now. Dougie has to put this into the box. Those free kicks are ridiculous. Do you remember Tony Pulis's West Bromwich Albion? took every corner by just swinging it into one of their six-foot-three back four at the back, back post. post. Yeah. Julian Lescott. Like <laughs> just back not a back across the goal line, yeah. And they did it with every fucking corner, and it worked. It was so dangerous. <laughs> Nobody knew how to defend it. There were so many giants in the box that you couldn't put all your defenders towards the back post because there'd be too many of them at the near post then. And yeah. like the, ball, the ball is so good. And along with Duran's back, it causes absolute carnage in there. And it's a lovely controlled finish. I mean, sometimes the ball is so good. All you have to do is make sure you get the shot on target. And I'm absolutely fucking delighted for him. What a comeback. He got injured defending defending last ditch at the back post to help us qualify for the competition. And it's great that he was able to qualify us for the next round. And it's very fitting, very fitting way to to wrap up the, the top of the show. But I've got some WhatsApp points. He's got a couple of awards and I've got a vitamin meter to do after a quick break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The first WhatsApp winch. Look, 
I am concerned about John Duran, but will you show me what's wrong with Douglas Louise, please? I'm more worried about that. <laughs> we're talking about those free kicks on the right. It's like he, it's like he programs the ball to to turn at a certain time. Like it'll go straight for fifty yards, and then it'll turn at the last minute. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable, and that tackle was fucking horrible as well. Yeah, because the size of that big useless cunt as well coming through him. Yeah. Really, of all the people on the pitch that he didn't want to be smashing into the back of Douglas Louise, it was him. And the ref didn't seem to care, nor did he seem to care about. John Duran getting kicked in the knee in the box either. It was bizarre. Mm. Why is it, second WhatsApp point, why is it always John McGinn's man at corners that's running around? They're always <laughs> running around like a child in the playground and it's always McGinn that has to chase around after them. We don't know what McGinn's doing. <laughs> I'd say McGinn's got well within his capability to be a narky little cunt and people are probably just trying to run away from him, tickling their nipples or sniffing their armpit. I don't know what he's playing on him. <laughs> the Peter Eichelman what the fuck award I mean Kamara's obviously going to win it but there was another one of Kamara's as well that I want to point out on the right hand side Like it's it's him and Matt Cash and you should never panic so much that you're reacting by kicking the ball out of play you don't, don't ever panic that much in any situation but especially when the reason you're panicking is you didn't play the ball through to Matt Cash like don't worry that's okay that's not something now that you need to get yourself hot under the collar about. You didn't play the ball through to Matt Cash. Fine. Like we're not we're not going to remember that again. Like we're all that's happened there is there's not going to be a shot leathered at the goal. <laughs> yeah, Matt Cash wasn't too pleased though. Matt Cash got refused a few times today as well. Um with people not playing the ball through to him. The Abbey wasn't interested. Kamara wasn't interested more than once. I think Kanza turned him down as well, maybe once. But, you know, sometimes it's better for the team, Conan, you know. <laughs> the Mad Cash did get an opportunity from one of Austin McPhee's. Now, in fairness to Austin McPhee, I don't think this was his invention. It was a corner on the left, and it got rolled to Telemans. He had so much space. He received the ball in the box from a, a pass, a low-pass corner, and I don't think he realized how much time he had, and he just flicked it on over to Cash, who had four men around him. He said, why not? I'll have this, and he just he just lashed it into the bodies, and it never came back out. <laughs> well, you know, it's better than lashing into the bodies and lashing into the stand. <laughs> the Ronnie Rosenthal award. John Duran has so much pace, doesn't he? Telemans played him a ball through early on as well, and he just now I, I know the caveat is he just said Robin Olsen's playing centre back for Warsaw. <laughs> but thing he was about seven meters behind the two of them, and he just went powering past them like like they were dead on their feet. It was about five minutes into the match, and he went for the near post. Uh, if keeper saved it. It would have been a, a great goal. He had to pull it across. I think Warsaw could win this. It was Diaz playing on the left for them. Had a diving header when the ball, like this was a John, John McGinn decision. The ball was sitting <laughs> up two meters off the ground. It's so much. Everybody turned around and thought, oh, why has this happened again? Like, why has the ball been cut back into somebody 10 yards out in our box with a ball just bobbling nicely to him? And he went down on his chest and tried to head it. And actually, he headed it so badly, it bounced and, and just landed on top of the crossbar. And yeah. then. Yeah, Diaby had a cut inside again on his left foot. And th- this was annoying. I think Matt Cash, in fairness, played in this nice pass. Cuts inside, and you're thinking, just, just wrap your foot around it again. Just whip it into the far corner, or at least drill it into the near bottom corner. But 
he just lifted it. It wasn't it wasn't a nice finish at all. He had a big chance there. Yeah, absolutely terrifying pace from John Duran. It was frightening the, the the way he just burst past those two players with obviously the caveat that they're not very quick the only thing more terrifying than that was seeing the ball loop up off the ground over robin olsen as he's making himself smaller as the ball's going towards his net for some reason <laughs> and luckily it bounces off the top of the crossbar got away with him do, do you know what the thing is about robin olsen and, uh, and like <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say I am going to I am going to praise him at some stage during this podcast, but this this is definitely uh, an insult, really. But but it works for the rest of the team is that everybody's alert when he's playing because they know they have to be. All the players know they have to be available. They have to be aware that this ball can go anywhere. I like that the the way he moves his body there for that chance that landed on top of the crossbar reminded me I had one time where I had a jump in goals for a second half and I made a save with really bad body movement a, a better keeper would just step back and caught it and I got my feet tangled I was tripping over myself and I I went diving back and got a really bad hand onto it and knocked it off the crossbar and somebody ended up clearing it off the line but it looked way more dramatic than it definitely needed to be. And also <laughs> my kicking from like my kicking was shite, but everybody because of that was in front of their men. They were all trying to second guess where the ball was going. Everybody was tuned in. And I think there's a bit of that with Robin Olsen now. So maybe it is good playing them sometimes. <laughs> I definitely think the first uh, five or 10 minutes, Konza looked like he didn't trust him at all. He was running in beside him. Like, you know, classic if i if i was playing if i was robin olsen receiving the ball there i would have been saying i don't need you in here Ezri. it was bizarre how close he was getting to, to olsen but conan i'm going to introduce a new award category because i think the winner of the manual neuer i'd play him in midfield just to see award is definitely robin olsen tonight 100 percent. yeah let's cut passing, the nonsense yeah his passing was absolutely fucking brilliant and, and let's be honest would he be any worse than, than donker in there like if we're and also if, if we're happy to play Robin Olsen in goals with only the back of the net behind him, why wouldn't we play him in midfield with Ezra Conza behind him? That seems a lot safer to me. I mean, when the ball's at his feet in midfield as well, he also doesn't have to bend his back to pick it up, so he'd be fucking delighted with that. I thought he was brilliant when he was passing the ball out tonight, and there was no need for Conza to be so on red alert. Yeah, I, I think his passing was really good. I I I was having a bit of fun with Villa's first goal when he he he's kicked it he just cleared a ball that went to a warsaw player that we won back so it wasn't actually a big thing and i don't remember him giving the ball away genuinely after that there was even one where he played it back to kanza very tight and you could hear the crowd very nervous because he was playing it across his goal but mm, didn't really yeah. like that one weird one to pick I, out i think <laughs> i didn't like it but i was impressed that he that he pulled it off like <laughs> we'd see him cock that up on all our occasions i was impressed that he was able to show the composure for it as well and uh, just be comfortable enough to do it and and also like we're talking about the rossens all the world here maybe the winner but it was just a piece of brilliance really but it's also the pass of the night with robin olsen how easily he picked out leon bailey over the top just ridiculous. just floated it over the top like a danny ings pass i would say just right, <laughs> right in front of the runner the touch is unbelievable the lob is lovely because it's not that easy a lob the keeper's quick enough on his feet to get back so mm. it has to have a it has to have a sharp enough trajectory which i think bailey gives it and it's just so unlucky it hits the crossbar bounces off the line and and comes back out it would have been glorious especially for the first touch and the pass 
the the pass is absolutely insane, and he's just he's he, like he's it looks like he's barely putting anything into it and maybe this is the like maybe this is just an Emery and actually maybe this is why he took him out of the team for a couple of months he was really really working with him him and the coaches were working with him getting him to be good with his feet because they've given up as him being a goalkeeper maybe i don't know but the pass the pass is incredible the touch is absolutely disgusting from leon bailey shouldn't be allowed to do that on tv and then i'm it's really hard to resist lobbing the goalkeeper there, but the goalkeeper is in no man's land. He doesn't know if he's going to keep coming out. He doesn't know if he's going to keep coming back. I think just roll it past him. The, the keeper's fucked there. He's, his head's gone. It's a really good effort when he tries to lob him, but it's such a difficult thing to do. The ball's sitting up like that as well. Probably should have just knocked it past him. There was another one as well. Someone pinged the ball out to... I think it was Longley pinged the ball out to... To Bailey, and again, the touch that he takes at the corner of the box just to kill mm. it and get it onto his left foot again. I think it gets blocked down. But Jesus Christ, those first touches from the Leon Bailey were insane. The Vimometer going up, Leon Bailey's touch is genuinely just so good. Like <laughs> well, going just... down the fucking ball from the sky. <laughs> yeah, like it had lead on it and. Bailey, Bailey's really honest. Like he, he's just, he's so lively, he's so fun to watch. He, he, the commentator had a heart attack as Bailey. He, he kept one in that that Jesus definitely should have gone out. This is down at Villa's right back spot, mm. and then he plays a crossfield ball to look at Dean across <laughs> the box. And I know I can foresee Leon Bailey a year ago doing that. And but like that ball goes in the net. That ball goes in the net for Warsaw a year ago. He, he undercooks that. He, he balls it up. It's just a wrong decision. This isn't the this isn't the wrong decision. Phil wants another goal. Another goal puts him top of the table with, with like no doubt about it and with, with a game to spare. So Bailey says, "No, let's get this to look at Dean. I'll ping this across here and we'll go back up and we'll create another chance at the other end." Which is exactly what happened. Like like Leon Bailey a year ago, a decision like that would have been catastrophic. Leon Bailey a year ago, a ball like that from Olsen would have been pointless. Leon Bailey. <laughs> Leon Bailey a year ago coming on and be like, what's like what what's the point here? But like Robin Olsen's being coached, Leon Bailey is the Leon Bailey that we thought we were buying. And it's like this isn't Leon Bailey a year ago. This is socks down Leon Bailey. This is this is the Leon Bailey that Craig Butler promised us. He's he's a completely different animal. And honestly, when you see him and Zaniolo and Ramsey coming off the bench, it's like, this is insane. This is absolutely insane. Yeah, this isn't fair, is what you'd be thinking as well. I mean, we shouldn't be able to bring on that quality against Legia Warsaw. Makes it a bit annoying that we only beat them by one goal tonight whenever you think about it like that. But Leon Bailey, Leon Bailey certainly wasn't a part of that. He did everything he could to to get us the win there after he played that pass. That last year he would have swung on to the centre forward's forehead instead of playing it across to look at Dean. Mm. He's the one that receives the ball then at the corner, the right hand corner of the Legia box. Um, because he just as soon as he plays it, he gets up the pitch again. He just thinks it's on. I've played that pass, I've sorted that out, let's go. He was brilliant, like he has been every game he's come on. Yeah. Robin Olsen definitely going up. We talked about him, but no issue. A tall shot stopping or catching. He didn't have mad pressure on him, but he, he dealt with everything that he had to. And his passing was brilliant, like we mentioned. Alex Marino definitely going up. And uh, I mean, he hasn't lost his fitness anyway. I don't know. Is he just, does he just have something in him that he overrides it and just continues to bomb down the left at the the slightest chance of creating a chance? And he'll just go anyway. He, he was um very impressive. Got the goal. And Longley, I want to highlight him as well. <laughs> Again, probably wasn't put to the pin of his collar defensively but some nice passes 
and I don't know if you remember in the first half his underlap, his underlap and mm, yeah. one two three brilliant from McGinn as well. Pass is brilliant. I think it was Moreno and McGinn one two threes and 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 just like the, the timing of the run and 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 the. The direction of the run was perfect. McGinn picks him out. He gets inside and his cross is blocked. But it was actually really... You can see he had a little smile to say, what the, what the hell am I doing up here? But it was a good run at the right time. Yeah, apart from that time, he should have been booked twice because he just stepped across the man out in the wing. Longley's been very... Who was that against? Was that against Mostar, maybe? Longley's been very, very good for us. I mean, he just looks like a shit Pau Torres. And again, similar to me saying Diaby's like a shit... Lionel Messi, that's a compliment. <laughs> he's just not as good as Torres, but he's a very, very good substitute for Torres because he's a very similar player. He's brilliant on the ball and might be a little bit suspect defensively, as he showed whenever he decided just to elbow two people in the face instead of running back to them. <laughs> it's mostly the pace just for him. Yeah, I don't mind him, actually. Um, I think is good on the ball, but he just doesn't have the pace, which is what we obviously really need. And speaking of which, going up again, Ezra Kanza, and mostly just because Kanza's dribbling is going up. Like every time he got on the ball, I was like, "Yeah, keep going. He just keep just keep doing it. You're going to take somebody else on. You're going to get by him." Like Kanza tonight felt like somebody playing career mode in FIFA. Do you know when you're trying to get a specific stat up that you want to improve no. your attributes on? So he came into the night thinking. He had a task. If I beat 10 men, I will add three points onto my out of 100 stat at FIFA. And Kanza just, just took it upon himself to do that tonight. Just use Thursday night ball to improve his dribbling stats and tear going up. It won't surprise you to know that, that analogy went completely over my head. But one thing that's, uh, <laughs> one, one thing that's going down is Esri Kanza fucking face that time in the second half where he dived he's looking for a really soft free kick he gets fucked over by the forward the forward reads what he's going to do when he's trying to dribble out muscles him off the ball Kanza falls to the ground and lies there and looks back at the ref and says give me the free kick he's been giving to me all night and he doesn't get it and then all of a sudden it's three on one now because Kanza hasn't bothered getting back up I think it's actually Kanza who ends up recovering the ball once the shot gets blocked down. But I didn't like that. I don't want to see that sneaking into his game like it did about two years ago when he was diving as a form of defending. And the last person going up is Jacob Ramsey in the number 10 role. He is going to love he is going to love this Unai Emery system with the two wingers coming inside, receiving the ball in those pockets. He just, he just did it so easily there tonight. It was like, oh, yes. Oh yes, this is a boy. He's not going to be caught out in the sideline. He's going to drift in. He's going to get the ball and he's going to turn and then he's going to use Moreno or Dean, look at Dean. And he's, sometimes he's just not going to bother passing to him because he's going to come onto his right foot and make something happen inside. It's very exciting to think about Jacob Ramsey being back. It is indeed. But he said, I certainly loved it last year as well. And I was actually thinking, is this part of the reason why Emery's playing this system? Is because he wanted to get his four brilliant centre midfielders into the team with Ramsey and McGinn coming off those wings. And tonight, he just showed all the quality that he has as well. And just his, his touch, his awareness of other people's positions on the pitch. A little bit rusty when the ball came to him. He probably wasn't quick enough to move it on. But the quality that he has, the vision that he has, he hasn't lost it, can he? No, he played on the right a few times last year as well, which is interesting. It probably gives us another option. Like that, that's probably a Graham Whelan nomination in itself, but we don't need to get into it too much. It was weird that McGinn and Telemans started off on the opposite wings, McGinn on the left and Telemans on the right, and they, they rectified it at halftime, but I, I don't know, did they just confuse themselves and go out on the wrong side? 
no point me walking the whole way over there. Might as well just do this. Hey, eh? happy enough, you're here. Yeah, I thought it was a strange decision as well. Not really sure why. I mean, we scored after two minutes and probably should have had two or three in the first seven minutes. So it worked out all right at the start of the game. But then, yeah, then it just did. McGinn just again wasn't in the game. McGinn in the Conference League couldn't get himself into the game for much of that first half. Yeah, it's strange what, what happens to him over on the left sometimes. The only person I have going down is this fucking referee. This this referee was like he's somewhere better to be. Like, he blew it up early twice. Like there was no out of time in the first half. There was two goals. There was injuries. There was yellow cards. No out of time, and then didn't even make the full five minutes in the second half. And there was so much injury time. There was so much delayed time that should have been added on to the injury time, and we didn't get any of it. He just he just stopped at five seconds earlier, and it was like again just cut short because Villa were cooking at that stage and I didn't want the game to end. I was really enjoying myself. He gave two yellow cards. He gave, he gave Douglas Ruiz a yellow card for being pulled to the ground by Solik, I think. <laughs> you know, like just somebody wrestling his knee and Douglas Ruiz standing over him with his hands out until his two hands fall on the ground and he balances himself and stands back up. Gets a yellow card anyway. Just that That's the most annoying trait for any referee. It's pathetic that they always fall fall for that. It's, it's actually mad that it isn't more widespread now that they're they're on to it like that they don't want to be the one to get caught with that but they all very happily just dish out the two yellow cards yeah and, and like mentioned ramsey in the pocket like his probably his best move of the night was that just mm. just holding off somebody a tight ball being drilled into him uses his arse holds it off he's getting dragged to the ground and he still flicks it on to zaniolo who drives up the pitch and the ref is just too quick to blow the free instead of giving villa the advantage yeah, really, really. That was really frustrating because Zaniolo was away. I think it was it was a three-on-three situation once Zaniolo took that first touch. Incredible. You've been very kind to Douglas Louise there. Douglas Louise pushes the guy in the shoulder whenever he holds him back down. And then as he gets up and your man's holding his shirt, Douglas Louise slaps at his hand. And the fucking linesman's very close to Douglas Louise's swinging arm as well. But that was a bit fucking stupid from Douglas Louise. Could have knocked the flag with the linesman's hand. But, uh, get your fucking hand off my shirt like you know that's absolutely uh, like yeah Douglas, like, sorry Douglas Louise is right to, to, to <laughs> slap the guy's hand away but I want to see you might, you might want to see your uh, best player being a bit calmer in those situations just in case yeah bit of camera um, alright let's take uh, let's take a break I'm going to come back with a couple of questions after this all these right get over it it's Aston Villa FC not Jack Grealish FC Get a fucking grip. <laughs> Somebody called me a wanker. Let us mourn. Somebody called me a freak. I mean, we've just gotten the news. It's devastating. We're upset. Somebody reported me to the Villa podcast on Twitter. <laughs> Do these people turn up to funerals or wakes saying, come on, get over it. It's the Doherty family, not the great Auntie Margaret family. It's time to find out what Uncle Jimmy's really made of. Time for Auntie Barbara to step up. <laughs> Fucking psychopaths, let me mourn. I'll rally around the Doherty family. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed, but I'm fucking devastated. It's not going to be the same without Margaret. R.I.P. Auntie Margaret. We had that much to talk about after the Spurs match that we didn't even get to mention the the Matt Cash tackle, and you know we can't really come on here and uh, and 
play the injury down because as it turns out, Bentaker's gotten injured for another two months off the back of it, which isn't nice. It would be really sick. And then you heard me crying at the top of the show about Ollie Watkins, so it would obviously be really annoying if it was one of your players. But Paul got in touch with us to say, you have to do a fashion review slash threat assessment of the Romero photo. So I don't know if you've seen this photo that all the Spurs fans have been have been sharing on. So if we can just remove ourselves from the Benton Kerr injury and just look at the Spurs reaction to the Matt Cash tackle, which was more of a trip. Like, let's be honest, it wasn't very unlucky that, that he hurt his ankle. He didn't hurt his knee that was hurt before. It's a completely new injury. Matt Cash has just come across him and tripped him more than anything. He hasn't even connected with him. He's just blocked, he's blocked Benteker's right foot from from striding forward and he's tripped he's tripped up on his leg but um yeah it's, it's, it's this one again we saw it we saw it the last time that matt cash played spurs and and he injured matt doherty i think you and i were both a bit <laughs> not happy about it but we'd seen matt doherty dicking around and being too slow on a ball in those situations and matt cash came in and uh absolutely nailed him and there was a bit of a, a bit of like, yeah, Doherty needs to get a move on sometimes. But anyway, again, player injured, don't don't condone it and all that. But they they used the Romero clips at that time to talk about how they, they really want this to happen to Matt Cash, because Matt Cash is a scumbag and they're showing clips of Romero being a scumbag. And like that's, <laughs> that's that's the whole gist of it. But this time rather than even sharing on those clips of Romero being a scumbag and what's in it for Matt Cash when when he plays Spurs again, like Villa have played three times since the Matt the Hurry injury. Matt Cash and Romero have been on the pitch for almost two hours together as well. Nothing's happened in those situations. One player's playing centre back, the other player's playing right back. And they shared a picture of Romero not looking too impressed as Bentinker's coming off injured. A couple of things about this picture. I don't know if everyone's seen it. It's, it's all over Twitter anyway. Type in Romero Cash and you'll see Romero standing with a puffer jacket on. Ripped jeans, skinny jeans, I would say. The thing I would notice about this picture is that everyone's applauding Bentinker off. Romero isn't. <laughs> Romero isn't. And I don't know, is, is, he, is he upset? Is he, is, he, is he trying to look threatening? He doesn't look threatening. He looks like he's going to... It looks like he's going on a school run to drop his children off at school. Like it's, it's, it's the opposite of threatening. It's a man standing on the side of a football pitch wearing a puffer jacket and ripped jeans. He looks like the fucking bald lad in the check shirt from that meme shaking his head. Like he doesn't look threatening at all. He looks hilarious. <laughs> Hands on his hips. It's, it's so that's such a good comparison. Yeah, like you mentioned it there. I mean, the hypocrisy spending all weekend complaining about someone being a dirty player while actively promoting the idea of one of their players being dirty. What a pile of fucking morons. And you're talking like the Matt Doherty. Matt Doherty took a shit touch and he got crunched on the sideline. Like he didn't take that shit touch. Nothing happens to him there. That's on Matt Doherty. Like Matt Cash isn't gonna just let Matt Doherty run down the byline. He took a shit touch. Matt Cash adjusted his body to get the ball and his other leg stayed where it was. And so and Matt Doherty was obviously staying where he was as well, but he's a lazy cunt. But, <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember, do you remember, I think I've told the story before, but do you remember that time some lad tried to break your leg on the pitch and then he said to you, next time, as if as, as if he was going to try to break your leg the next time you had the ball in a fucking Tuesday night five-a-side league in Spawell? I mean, fuck me. And then I did the thing I'm least proud of on the football pitch. The ref announced, knock it off, lads, any more of that nonsense. The next player that does anything like that is getting sent off. The next thing I did, as soon 
as they re restarted the game, I went flying out, 20-yard run up the pitch, and just completely cleaned somebody who had nothing to do with and the original bystander. <laughs> Poor yeah. bystander. Like I said before, it was the first time he ever took a decent touch in his life. Ordinarily, I would have just took that ball clean off him. But instead, I just took his feet clean off the ground and he was spinning into the air. We ended up winning that game 9-3. It was free all at that stage. We won the next, the rest of the match 6-0 because we had gone out there and shown that, oh, like you're going to be a hard man. Like we, we can do that. We can play like this as well. I can be a scumbag. Is that what Spurs fans are aiming for? Because I've got something to tell you. The only reason I didn't get sent off was because I had spent the previous three years being really sound to that referee. And as soon as I did that, he came walking down the pitch and said, Liam, you're not that type of player. And everybody's like, what? You said the next person that I was going to get sent off? I spent three years being as sound as I'm sure everybody knows that I am to that referee. And so he didn't send me off. The difference for Spurs is <laughs> Romero is a fucking cunt and everybody knows it. As soon as he steps over the line against Matt Cash, if he does, which he won't because he hasn't yet, he's going to get sent off. There's no ref walking up to Christian Romero and patting him in the side of the head and saying you're not that type of player. <laughs> Try not to do it again. <laughs> Christian Romero is a plonker. <laughs> yeah, I... I eventually got where, where that was going because at one stage I was like, are you the Romero in the story? Are you, are you, the, <laughs> are you the enforcer? Is this, going to, like, is this going to pivot to you saying that you actually you stand with Cutie? Cutie, it seems to be his nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Look like a Cutie in that puffer jacket, I will say. <laughs> All right, we've got another one. This came in a few weeks ago from Nick on Insta. On Insta, on Instagram, <laughs> he said it's a it's a long time since he did a sliding doors moment. So this is the imagine young Barry and Milner had stayed sliding doors moment, and he has suggested great suggestion. What would have happened if Grealish didn't get injured in twenty twenty one? Where would we be now, and who would the manager be? And even just thinking about that is bringing back shutters. I mean, I was only talking about a year ago, Stephen Gerrard was in charge and just go back a couple of years before that. And and it was <laughs> it was Jack Grealish being injured. It was upending our lives, never mind our our whole season. This is where the, the anti-Margaret the, 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 the anti-Margaret analogy came from because Grealish was injured and people were telling us to get over it, stop making everything about Grealish. It probably, as time has passed, it seems like Grealish leaving the club is where that came from, but it was actually when he got injured because that was the meltdown because I don't know if you remember, it was February 2021 and Villa had just beaten Arsenal and they'd drawn away with Brighton. Now they're sitting ninth, but they're, but they're sitting two points off seventh. They're three points off Liverpool and sixth. They're five off fourth, and like Leicester are still in third, pretending like they're going to do something. So there's plenty of opportunity here. Villa are flying, and they have a run of fixtures that's tasty. They have Leicester next at home. They have Leeds, they have Wolves, they have the shit Newcastle, they have Sheffield United, Fulham. That's all the next run of games after that. They had Liverpool and City, but then they had West Brom, Everton, United, Palace, like the teams that were in the bottom half of the table. Villa had a massive opportunity. And what happened between the Brighton game and the Leicester game at home was, you're not going to like this, 
but it was fantasy football. Matt Target made a change to his fantasy football team. He took Grealish out. People noticed. Everyone found out that Grealish was injured, and the rumors were rife. We were wondering, shit, is, is it going to happen? Is he actually not going to be there? They kept a lid on it. Then the team sheet came out, and it was Bertrand Shrori and I think it was actually I think it was El Ghazi and Trezeguet that were playing instead of him. It was Barkley McGinn, Douglas Louise, and the in the middle three, and it was just no Grealish, no Grealish on the bench. The fantasy football leak was confirmed, and you know Villa had twelve games then without him. They they lost six, they lost six, lose twelve. They drew three, and they picked up twelve points. And, and this is the thing. So this is what I look back at now. They, they left twenty four points out there on those twelve games, and you have to wonder, like when Grealish came back, they beat Spurs and they beat Chelsea. Would they have made up 12 extra points that would have gotten them into fourth place? 12 extra points would have gotten them into fourth place. And could they have gotten it with, with you know, a, a win against Sheffield United instead of losing to Sheffield United? With a win against Steve Bruce's Newcastle instead of drawing with them? By beating Wolves at home instead of drawing with them? By by beating West Brom at home instead of drawing with them? Sam Aldis is West Brom. Remember Keenan Davis got a, a last kick of the game to equalise? Lost to Palace, lost to United, just loads of points left out there. Like very winnable games. Lost to Leicester, like that could have been a six-point swing right there. I mean, Villa beat Leicester, even just those three points alone, and and Villa increasing their points with Grealish in those twelve games. It knocks Leicester out of the top six with Spurs and Arsenal right behind them, and we know Rodgers can handle squeaky bum time anyway. <laughs> so you have to imagine not only are Villa going to climb into the top four with twelve extra points with Grealish in that run of twelve games. Leicester are going to collapse. I mean, there's no success of fifth places here now for Brendan Rodgers, which means that, like their seasons Peter out. They're not going to win the FA Cup that year, which means Rodgers isn't going to get another season at Leicester. I mean, he, he did a good job at Leicester overall. Now, when you look at it, but if Grealish doesn't get injured, I don't think he does. <laughs> I, I think it's ultimately a big letdown of a job that he does. His reputation isn't even as high as it was now, so he's not... He's not holding off Arsenal. He's not, he's not holding off for an Arsenal job or anything like that. He has to just go where he wants. And unfortunately for him at this stage, that means Carlo Ancelotti still beats him to the Real Madrid job that he thought he would get. <laughs> but, but, but this is the thing now. Back at this stage, if Everton are looking for an ex-Liverpool manager, who is a better fit? Someone who isn't a legend at Anfield, someone who who didn't really despise Everton, someone who didn't even do that good at Liverpool, someone young, someone good at football, like someone someone who plays good football, someone who can coach, is a high ceiling, someone like Roberto Martinez. I mean, this like this this is it. Like the, Brendan Rodgers could be the man for Everton, someone with a chip on his shoulder about Liverpool down the road. So like that's that's the first protocol. Don't worry, I'm not going to go on all day with this, but it really has sent me off down a spiral. Imagine what would have happened if Greenish didn't get injured. I'm just waiting for Tim Sherwood to come back into the story. <laughs> Give me a second. No, we're joking. But uh, so Villa in the Champions League. So I, don't think... <laughs> I think we've all agreed Villa would have qualified for the Champions League. <laughs> just connect those dots yourself. But I was distracted you with the Brendan Rodgers story, and we're all just accepting now that Villa in the Champions League. Which I don't think Grealish goes in if they get into the Champions League. (laughs) 
So I think City buy Harry Kane instead. They, they had to make a choice that summer between Harry Kane and Jack Grealish. They couldn't get both of them, especially with Daniel Levy being the shrewd operator that he is. So we're in the Champions League. I don't think we buy Danny Ings or Emmy Wendia or Ashley Young. So that's changing the course of history already. I mean, we can go off in those branches on another podcast. So <laughs> I, I think we still get Bailey because Craig Butler explains how world-class flows through his every move. <laughs> I think we jump quicker and we get we get Harvey Barnes, finally. like We, we, we all wanted Harvey Barnes, wanted him to stop fucking scoring against us. We can get him now. Leicester falling off a cliff thanks to Brendan Rodgers and we can go in and get Harvey Barnes. Do we get... Gwendouzi off Arsenal instead of Marseille. <laughs> can we get a Smith Rowe? Can we get somebody like that? And here's Dude, somebody who cared when a Champions League and you're going to have to Gwendouzi and Smith Rowe. <laughs> well, here's one for you then. Like maybe this is going too far the other way. Julian Alvarez, <laughs> because he came the season before Haaland came. He didn't know Haaland was going to end up at Man City. Take all his time. He's not. He might not be as keen to go there if Harry Kane's already there. And Villa have been sniffing around him for a while. We know a few clubs had been. David Moyes admitted on a podcast that West Ham were looking at him, but he didn't fancy him. <laughs> so we're going to the Champions League anyway. And we take Chelsea's place there, who finished fourth. So we're in a group with UV, Zenit, St. Petersburg, Malmo. So we top that. <laughs> the problem is, the problem is that those group winners that season ran into a tough second round tie. And Aston Villa, unfortunately, get absolutely hammered by Unai Emery's Villarreal. <laughs> <laughs> as Juve did, as Bayern did, they got to the semi-final. So, now it's a team who can't get past the last 16 in the Champions League, which is great. We've built a good squad. We've got more money. We're, we're in that bracket now that we want to be in, but Grealish wants to push on. Remember, you have to remember Grealish at Villa. It's not, it's not the Grealish that we know now. This is still a good Grealish. So, Liverpool Grealish, is, Grealish, Grealish is looking around. He sees Gwen Doozy and fucking Smith Rowe <laughs> on the team and he's thinking, we're not going to win the Champions League. <laughs> so maybe maybe Liverpool, who lost the final of the Champions League, to Real Madrid, but you have to imagine if Harry Kane's at Man City, it's probably going to be it's probably going to be Man City that they lost it. So maybe they go for Jack Grealish and Klopp that won't plant him on the left sideline and tell him not to move and then pretend like he's the most important player in the team because he's passing it back to his left back. He actually lets him play. He even brings him inside. He sometimes will play in midfield. Now, like, and, and like, now you have a situation where Grealish, the, the old Grealish, is releasing free players like he was doing non-stop at Villa. But this time, instead of Watkins, Barkley, and Neil Taylor being the ones who are like, receiving the ball in space now. It's 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 Mo Salah, it's Luis Diaz. So he, like you, Liverpool really are onto something massive now with Jack Grealish playing in the heart of their team. But that big investment means that Liverpool can't buy one player, and so to replace Grealish on the left, Villa and Fest in a bit of chaos called Darwin Nunes. <laughs> <laughs> so going into the 2022-2023 season Villa somehow you have a front four of Nunes, Alvarez, Barnes and Watkins <laughs> <laughs> with Smith Rowe pushing them all the way <laughs> I was going to say and after all that they still have a double pivot of Douglas Louise and John McGinn <laughs> 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 so this is probably going to be the, the downfall of Dean Smith this is probably where 
Sariris is going to just think, well, I really like that team who absolutely hammered us in the Champions League second round. You know, Emery was meant to be at Aston Villa. He's going to eventually go out and get him. Dean Smith did a good job at Villa. He's going to leave in good terms, no matter what, if he got in the Champions League or if he left when he did. But Steven Gerrard isn't going to get this Villa job. He's not going to get this Villa job anymore. (laughs) 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 And Brendan Rodgers' move to Everton means that Gerrard got to pick up a Leicester job that wasn't as attractive as it was back then. The only problem is he gets that job in the summer. So the one big asset that Gerrard has in his managerial tool book, the, the threat, you know, the threat that the, the board have backed him to raise the standards. And he's he's here mid-season and expects more. And, you know, and even when it goes bad, it doesn't matter. He's here to raise the standards. And just you wait. Just you wait to see what he can do with this club when he gets a full pre-season under his belt. <laughs> Unfortunately, he takes over before pre-season, so he gets none of that. He gets none of the I'm going to change things around here points. And he just starts off poorly, gets worse. And by the time March rolls around, Leicester have had enough. But, <laughs> but, but Spurs, Spurs are already out of the Champions League, okay? Mm-hmm. They've had enough of Conte. Daniel Levy's ready to put the Mourinho and Conte and, and, and that sort of thing behind him, like we saw happen. And he wants someone fresh and hungry who can connect with the supporters. Tim yeah. Sherwood. You're very close. <laughs> you might have noticed that the Everton job is taken. Rogers is doing well there. He's found a home down in Everton. Frank Lampard is available. <laughs> His stock has gone up because he hasn't taken he hasn't taken Everton. He hasn't taken him down the table. He's been sitting in the wings since his Chelsea job. And as time goes on, Talk Sport are telling us that he actually did a good job there. And now Leicester are sniffing around because they want it rid of Stephen Gerrard, so Daniel Levy has to act quick. Like his stock is, is sky high, you know. Like Leicester want them, we better. Right? Maybe he is the next big thing. And I think this is the other thing. I think he actually does well, Spurs. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think it fits. I think it fits. He still has son. We we, we know we can get a tune out of Rishi, and I think it's a perfect. <laughs> it's a perfect club if your scouting network is limited to Premier League players, which which Frank Lampard's obviously is. So. Instead of being overcharged at Everton for Deli Alley and Van der Beek and Neil Mopai. Conan, it wasn't being overcharged for those players that held Frank Lampard back. <laughs> Frank Lampard didn't want the Germans at Chelsea either, the same fucking Germans that won the Champions League for two goals two months later. Frank <laughs> Lampard was never held back by the players that were being signed for him. I'm just saying, instead of, you know, trying to trying to take the, the scraps that the other clubs didn't want, like Ali, like Van de Beek, like Mopai. He, he can go for bigger. He can he can go get Mounts. He can get Chuck Wemmicka. He can get De Gea. These cast-offs are better players instead of Tchaikovsky and Cody McNeil. He can go off and pick off the other clubs now at a better club because he's Spurs. He can take Eze and Zuma and like, just, just build a, a strong, overpaid team. Frank Lampard's doing well at Spurs. Dean Smith will probably get the Leicester job, but it's a better Leicester job than what he took over. <laughs> he won't take the fucking Norwich job. No, no, there is Norwich came into this conversation accidentally. Norwich, he won't take the Norwich job. That, like, what a terrible decision that was a week after losing the Villa. You and I, Emery is now in charge of Champions League Villa, and Jack Grealish is off to Liverpool. What an absolute tour de force, Gunnar. I think the only thing you really left out there was 
What about Ross Barkley? I like. I don't think. I don't think Ross Barkley would ever have had his mid-career sabbatical on the French Riviera if Jack Greedy sticks around. And that that probably means that Jacob Ramsey would now be Luton's big summer signing because he didn't get the chance to shine. I mean, a lot of that was the glare from Ross Barkley's glistening, soaking wet skin, taking all the limelight from him. Not when I'm asking the idea that Ross Barkley would still have a career or that JJ would be less of have less of a career is pretty laughable. I know back then you wanted a 19-year-old Ramsey out. You thought Barkley ball was more suited to Barkley's ball. You thought you thought Jason Knight should be brought in as well. Let's not forget about that. But I think I've mentioned that before. Yeah, I would actually think. be really interested, you know, what sort of a player Jack Grealish would be now had he stuck around. Like, would he still have that same impetuous streak? What would Unai Emery be making of a raw Jack Grealish? Just imagine the molding he could do there. I think I'm getting excited just thinking about it. It'd be like, it'd be like the fucking pottery scene from Ghost, oddly erotic and just works really well. <laughs> Unai Emery is Patrick Swayze in Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Only other thing to wrap up before we go, Liam. It's probably a question we can't answer, and it's probably come up a few times now, but I feel like it's heating up for you. Will you continue to renew your season ticket at Ireland if Steve Bruce takes a job? There's a lot of serendipity going on tonight's podcast, and Steve Bruce coming. Like, what, what, what a way to come full circle in your Steve Bruce journey. Yeah, do you know where I won't be there thereabouts? The fucking Aviva Stadium if Steve Bruce gets the Ireland job. To be honest, the Villa podcast won't be taking any international breaks. Like, if I, I, we are doing Villa podcast to keep me fucking sane if Steve Bruce takes over the Ireland job during the internationals. I don't care if nobody wants to hear it, they're fucking getting it. Like, I have a fucking season ticket on the halfway line. The one part of the pitch you could be absolutely fucking guaranteed there will be no football played. I'll have to start seeing a fucking chiropractor now to get myself used to watching the ball floating an arc above my head. People, like, how is Steve Bruce being lengthy there? Steve Bruce left Villa and got progressively worse. Like, we, <laughs> we, we threw a fucking cabbage at him and he got worse from there. Like, a cabbage. Like, he, he was so bad at Newcastle that I started feeling sorry for him. That was only a year or two after I was feeling annoyed at the lad who threw the cabbage for missing Bruce's head. <laughs> but, but then you look at the other names that are being bandied around. Roy Keane. Roy Keane hasn't been a manager in 12 years. The best thing he's done on the sideline the last 15 years is tell Mourinho to fuck off. <laughs> Lee, Lee Carsley's had about 20 games when he's been managing adults. And the most consequential thing he did for Ireland was fucking roll on top of the ball and handle it in their own box. Neil, Neil Lennon is the fucking reason Steven Gerrard was the Aston Villa manager. That's how fucking shite he is. <laughs> D- Damien Duff, Damien Duff can't, Duff can't even manage his own finances. His ma has to give him pocket money every fucking week. <laughs> give it, Bruce, Damien, why not? Damien Duff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For context, did talk about that on, a, on another podcast, yeah, about how his mother was still giving him pocket money. The Yeah, th- that's the odds. Steve Bruce slashed to 2 to 1. Now, like, he come out and said he's interested. There's been a third party that said they'll help pay. His wages to take over the Ireland job. Lee Carsley, 41. Roy Keane, 61. Neil Lennon, 81. Chris Hutton, 61. It's, it's quite quite the present. Where's Dean Smith in all this? Like, where, where's Dean Smith? Where's Graham Potter? Give me give me something to, to look at, to be excited about, or maybe just keep giving me more Aston Villa games and don't have to worry about that. <laughs> we'll be back on Sunday with another Aston Villa game. We don't need to worry about any of this until March, let's be honest. I don't need to worry about it. I won't have a season ticket. We won't. 
We'll be a bit later on Sunday evening. Just bear with us on that one. But we'll be out on Sunday for the Bournemouth, Bournemouth game. I'll go practice that. See you later. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.